You're listening to Creatives Prevail, unraveling the stories of creative professionals. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Creatives Prevail. I am your host, Mike Zimmerlich, and this is going to be a special episode on the panel that I just did at NAM a couple of months ago. This is going to be a panel on podcasting and the music industry. So if you haven't guessed, it's basically all about starting your own podcast as well as as a musician, how you can connect to fellow podcasters. I'm joined with Emily White, who is manager, author, and podcaster for the incredible podcast, How to Build a Sustainable Career in the Music Industry and Collect All Revenue Streams, which is based upon her best-selling book. We had such a great time with the audience, and I think there's a lot of great insight into not only starting your own podcast, but also how to find guests, as well as how to make yourself appealing when pitching to be on a podcast, whether it is involved with the music industry or not. So again, I hope you enjoy this, and let's get into it. Can you guys hear me now? Oh, there I am. Hello, everyone. So how's everyone's NAM doing today? Good. Oh, actually, a really nice applause already. I'm excited for this. So I am Michael Zimmerlich, and I am the uh, podcast host for a podcast called Creatives Prevail, where we interview all kinds of professionals in uh, many different industries, actually, but definitely mostly in the music industry. A uh, quick background on myself is that I've been in the music industry for over 18 years. I've had my own record label, do management, and now work with uh, connecting brands with creators of all kinds. Um, it's an uh, agency called Omelette Prevail, and um, I'm here with my wonderful, wonderful guest, Emily White. Hi, Emily. Hello. So um, before, actually, go ahead and intro you, then I want to do a quick thing before we get started. Okay, great. Thanks, Mike. Uh, my name is Emily White. I'm host of the number one music business podcast globally. It's called How to Build a Sustainable Music Career and Collect All Revenue Streams. We take artists and those that support them through the entire modern music industry from recording to release or creation to execution while ensuring artists aren't missing any revenue streams owed to them along the way. And that's based on my Amazon number one best-selling book of the same name. So before we get started, I do want to take a one segue for a second. Uh, somebody's birthday is in the audience today. <laughs> and her name is also Emily. So everyone, real quick, on the count of three, wish her a happy birthday. One, two, three. Happy, happy birthday. birthday. <laughs> All right. So we are here to, of course, talk about podcasting, all kinds of things about a podcasting, how to get started with a podcast, um, even if you're trying to get onto a podcast. So you may not necessarily start want to start your own, but just want to get more involved with other podcasters. We're going to cover all those things. Also, real quick, in the audience, uh, how many of you consider yourselves introverts? Raise your hand. Good. Now I know who to pick on. But no, seriously, I mean, I'm, I'm considered my introvert myself. So a lot of things we're going to talk about really takes a lot to get outside of the comfort zone. And believe me, I thought I would be the last person in the world to start a podcast, and I started one. So believe me when I say that everyone in this room can start their own podcast, and there's so many reasons to do so. Which brings me to the first question. Emily, you have now started two podcasts. Really? Right? Three. Three, right? Yeah, three. Yep. That's true. It's three. So why did you start doing a podcast anyway? 
My first book is called Interning 101, and my friend Mike Mowry uh, runs a management company, and he had a podcast network. He um, really utilized the book for his staff and his interns, and he said, hey, you should turn this book into a podcast. I'd love for it to be um, on our network. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's such a great idea. I wouldn't have thought of that. Um, so that's how I started doing it. I'm not like a gearhead. Um, so if I can do it, you can do it. And with that podcast, um, that, you know, I'm proud of that podcast. There's universities that use it. Um, but I really learned how to do it, you know. Um, so huge shout out to my friend Mike um, for asking me. And then when I wrote my second book, I had a, I had a very clear vision on how to bring that book to life. Um, by interviewing uh, experts to highlight each chapter's topic. Um, and I, I think it, it kind of reminds me of being an artist. Like, like I said, I learned how to do it with the first one, but the second one, I, I knew how to do it, and I had a clear vision, and that one is, is more successful. So that's how I started. Absolutely. And also, too, I, I always like to tell this, uh, mention this, is that you only wanted to do, like, you only had plans for season one of that podcast. Right? Yeah. Okay. So um, with the How to Build a Sustainable Music Career and Collect All Revenue Streams podcast, I brought, I brought each chapter to life. It, you know, the, the show charted in 30 countries on six continents. And even though that happened, I thought, okay, I'm done. Great. I, I brought each chapter to life. And, you know, normally this isn't... Um, this, I wouldn't tell an artist to make a decision <laughs> based on what I'm about to say, but a sponsor came to me and said, hey, when's season two coming? And I was like, 2023. And I thought about it. You know, we speak at all these music conferences that can be expensive, right? I see artists um, here or in the audience at South By, like, grasping at nuggets of information. And my book and podcast, um, like I said, covers the entire modern music industry in order in order, which is very different from conferences, which are um, beholden to people's schedules, right? So for a second, I was like, maybe I should start my own conference. And then I'm like, mm, that's not really my style. So long story short, um, I did season two of the podcast as a live podcast taping and interactive workshop that folks could attend in real life, but also live stream no matter where they are in the world, so I could help solve musicians' problems in real time. And so I did that in my, I'm, I live in New York, but I'm originally from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. So we did that in partnership with John Ridley's No Studios in Milwaukee. That was amazing. And then um, the city of New York does New York Music Month. And so they did a request for proposals. And I was like, oh my gosh, I would love, you know, to do a season three in New York City. And, and Mike also manages this podcast. I, I absolutely would not be, um, you know, doing these additional seasons at the level that they're at without Mike's support. All right, thank you. So season three, um, you know, was in New York City in June for New York Music Month. And then uh, we partnered with a really great music education platform called The Word in the UK and recorded season four uh, last fall, late last fall, as a live UK podcast tour. So I toured um, nine cities throughout the UK to explore... Um, each individual scene, uh, each individual music scene, but also the UK's larger ecosystem. And we've since had um, requests to do seasons in Thailand, in India, in the, ex the exotic land of Colorado. So 
I'm super excited. You know, it's like, I've lived in London. I'm a huge Anglophile, so I, I know quite a bit about their music industry, but I'm excited to go to Thailand and be like, well, who's your PRO, you know, or in India, like, what's the deal with music in Bollywood? So I'm certainly learning as much as I think the audiences, and, and I'll just say real quick, like, you know, what I saw in the UK and what I'm seeing in India and all over the world is musicians are just trying to figure this stuff out, right? Like, we now, we've, you know, for the past 15, 20 years, we have access to recording and distribution. And so folks are building up their own careers. And like I said, it's, it's so challenging when that information is disparate and all over the place and not in order because the music business was set up in like the 1950s to confuse artists. So if you present that info out of order, that's going to be really challenging for the artist, really challenging for the educator. So... Anyway, um, I, I never in a million years thought we'd be, you know, touring the world doing this stuff. Um, but I'll say quickly, um, everything I've done has come from a place of authenticity. You know, like I had a student ask me once, oh, did you just get the biggest people you know to be on your podcast? I'm like, no, I got the right people, you know, to bring each topic to life. I'm glad you mentioned that because we'll definitely be talking about getting uh, guests on the podcast. Uh, but I, what I really liked is the fact that we both kind of got into podcasting because somebody else told us to. And even for my podcast, I never thought, as I mentioned earlier, that I would ever start one. And funny enough, I was doing a show with a local radio station that is a fundraiser, basically, that we would do together every year. And they asked me if I could do a radio spot. And I said, and I'm sure you all hear this before, I don't like the sound of my own voice, right? Yeah, so I said the same thing, like, hi, I, you know, I'm from New York, and now I'm in Arizona, and it's conflicting with my New York accent. Like, nobody's going to want to hear me speak. And, but she told me to do it anyway, so I said, fine. So I had a friend who is a podcaster help me out, and we put together a radio spot, and we had a play, and... I had like friends tell me like, oh, you did such a great job, like I heard you on the radio and blah, blah. I'm like, great. okay, they're friends and family, whatever, right? But then I would have like random people who knew me like come to shows and say, hey, I liked your radio spot. And I'm like, okay, I, I mean, wow, I appreciate it. So I thought there was something there and I said, okay, I guess I'm gonna start a podcast. And so I practiced for about a year before releasing a single episode. And I mean, now in context, I would just be here and there what I could, but I would just get a basic setup and I would interview friends and family, other people that I knew um, that had podcasts, things like that too, and I just asked them, hey, can we just do like a practice interview? And I just practiced over and over and over again. And then when I decided to finally launch it, I wanted to start strong. So I did reach out to my community that I've built over the years. And I had a couple of really strong guests, like went right out of the woodwork. And it was interesting because I really thought for just a, for a podcast that never existed yet, that I would, probably would get a no from them or no response. But they both came back and said yes. Um, actually, the three first guests I've ever had um, was uh, at the time the A&R rep for Orange Amplifiers as well as uh, Kevin Lyman, which his panel just wrapped up not too long ago. And, uh, hope, hopefully you guys saw that one. So Ke Kevin Lyman, founder of Warp Tour, and uh, Herman Lee from the band Dragon Force were my th first three guests right off the bat. But those are people that I've already built relationships with. Sorry to interrupt. You're not, you know, it's like anything. You're not going to get the guests if you don't ask, right? Right. I mean, it's amazing, right? It's like, it, it's, 
I found it such a segue into building relationships. I would get people that I've never spoken to in my life, and I would ask them to be on the podcast. And I, bec- I become lifelong friends with some of these people by just asking them to be on the podcast. You know, um, how about you? Like, what, what have you found uh, works well with uh, getting guests? Um, like I said, just being totally organic. So our biggest episode was with Justin Vernon of, of Bon Iver, and I was teaching um, a management course at, at NYU, at New York University, and I always poll students when I'm teaching on who is your dream guest speaker, because you're going to get to know folks in my network and, and my world, so who are you interested in? And so one, um, what topped our poll was, um, you know, someone from, from Bon Iver or their management, and um, I'll take responsibility uh, for what I'm about to say. I, 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 it was my first time teaching a class, and I didn't feel like they were really connecting with the information I was trying to get across, but I do think that Justin's career um, is the ultimate example of what I was trying to get across. And so I said, you know, I know his management, I I think we could get one of their managers, which would be amazing, but I'm gonna go for the artist here because, like I said, he really exemplifies what I was trying to teach in that management class. So um, one great takeaway I got from um, like NYU's faculty meeting was, you know, go to the guests, right? I mean, we have a little bit of an advantage being in New York City, but we're here in Southern California and there's music industries everywhere. It doesn't matter if you're in Milwaukee or, or wherever. So, you know, I reached out to his management, you know, explained. Uh, again, this was just to be a guest speaker in the class. I had no, um, I had not thought about, um, you know, having him on the podcast or anything. And I, I explained it. They said yes. And so we went on a little field trip down to the King's Theater. It was maybe 30 students. And Justin very, very kindly um, chatted with us. I interviewed with him um, in the afternoon before soundcheck. And I did just kind of a crappy voice memo on my phone, um, which I did not ask permission to record. It was just for my own critique and feedback. And so when I listened back to it, I was like, oh my gosh, this brings chapter one of my book to life perfectly, which is called Get Your Art Together. You know, there's no point of moving on to marketing and the other steps of the music industry if you're not making art that's true to your heart, your soul, and your spirit. So then I had to go back to Justin's management and say, hey, I actually recorded this and, you know, explain what I just said. Would it be okay if I released this um, on my podcast? And they said yes. And I didn't realize that Justin doesn't give a lot of interviews. Um, so that one really, you know, blew up, stereo gum picked it. I literally watched kind of the numbers rise in real time. But my point is, I wasn't like, I'm going to get Justin Vernon. And it was authentic with the material I was trying to get across to the students. They actually thought of that person. Um, And like I said, it it was all very natural and organic. And I don't know if you've had this experience, but sometimes, you know, when I have a guest that is a bigger name or whatever, you know, you think that might be a bigger episode. But a lot of times, and I I can say this because, you know, I'm... um, very fortunate Kevin Lyman is a dear friend. Like, Kevin is a giver. You know what I mean? Like, he gives a lot of his time. He gives a lot of talks. He's on a lot of podcasts. So I feel awful saying this. An interview with Kevin might not do super high numbers because he is such a giver. Although Mike and I popped in his talk before. Like, you can always learn something from him. So always, always check him out. So anyway, um, it just goes back to authenticity is what I'm trying to say. Absolutely. I find it, it, it works so much better when your guests are 
organic that you really believe in what they're doing. And I, I'm very open with the guests I have because my, my podcast is a weekly podcast, which is not easy to do, uh, especially for interviews and scheduling all of them. But I always find that I learn something new with every single person that I interview. And it's always somebody that I find interesting in what they're doing. And I always find that no matter how much experience that they have or you know, what background they come from, they always have something to bring to the table. And I make it a point to interview you know, the, the equivalent of you know, the Kevin Lyman's and the Justin Vernon's, but then also people that you know, just started out too, I find always has something interesting and worthy to talk about. So let's rewind for a second. Besides the guests is, okay, we both decided that we're gonna start a podcast. What was the first thing that you did when you decided, okay, yeah, I'm gonna do this podcast? Um, I mean, I literally had to get a mic, and so I asked, you know, again, Mike Mowry and um, the Jabberjaw Network, um, what should I get? And they were just like, um, I think, it's so bad I don't even remember what kind of blue microphone it was, but they're like, yeah, just get, I, again, I'm preaching to the choir here at NAMM, but um, I just got like $100, you know, well-reviewed, used blue micro, uh, microphones. Now I use uh, a warm audio microphone. Um, but yeah, that was like, you know, a USB mic, super easy to use. Um, I actually, for both of my podcasts, all three of my podcasts, because I also, we, uh, Mike and I co-host one, because um, I run a nonprofit called I Voted. Um, but what I'm trying to say is all three engineers are students, you know? Um, and actually, with uh, Nathan Kane, our engineer on the Sustainable Music Career podcast, you know, we give him a percentage of, of sponsorship, and that's actually gotten pretty lucrative, you know? So like he took a chance on us. Um, we took a chance on working with a student um, and he's really grown professionally. So yeah, I needed a mic, a laptop and an engineer and, um, you know, figuring out how to distribute it. I mean, that's dis distribution was more when I did it on my own with the sustainable music career book. I still record mine on GarageBand. <laughs> But I saw. But honestly, though, like that's the thing is like I found that starting simple is the best way to go. And I mean, I mean, we're, we're I'm sure like how many people consider themselves gearheads in here? Raise their hands. Okay, cool. So like you know, you can go crazy if you really want to. Um, but honestly, for the rest of you, like it doesn't. You don't have to start off that way. It really is that. I mean, if you really wanted to, like how many have a uh, phone, like mobile phones with them, right? Like literally, there's a microphone in your pocket right now that you could theoretically use. Is it going to be the best of quality? Probably not, but it's that's a great way to just start. And same thing, I had a blue Yeti mic. That's how I got started. Oh, that was mine. Sorry. Yeah, you had yeah. a blue Yeti mic. Yep. So I had a blue Yeti mic as well, and that's how I got. I did my first initial episodes on that, and then I used a Shure SM57 mic that um, my dad had actually. That's how I and I just borrowed that, and then I eventually went up to uh, Sennheiser E9035. I know we're getting through kind of nitty-gritty here in the gear, but um, and then now I currently use a warm audio limelight mic, but I just kind of upgraded my gear as I went along the way, um, and I got in, as I got more and more into it, but I knew that to start, I didn't want to make it overly complex, because I'm sure a lot of us can relate to this, is that if you have something that's overly complex, it's just almost impossible to just find the time to get started, and so sometimes it's just Take it step by step. You know, it doesn't have to be perfect. You know, you don't even have to release the episodes if you don't want to. If they sound like garbage, at least it's practice, you know, to get it right. 
And I always find the lowest barrier to entry is always the best way to get something consistent going. Yeah. And my season, one of the Sustainable Music Career podcasts was in my bedroom during the pandemic and it became very popular. You know, like there were no bells and, and whistles. It was just audio conversations. And like, I still roll with it. You know what I mean? Like that UK tour, I used to manage artists. Like I gave myself this, and I used to tour manage too. Like I gave myself the same advice. It's just like, this is my first international tour. You know, it's, it's nine different venues, right? Which is different from how I'd done the previous season where you're in one room, which is nice. And the first night, like there wasn't video, like no big deal. You know what I mean? So that season four, episode one is audio only. Like we roll with that. Sometimes we have video, like, you know, we're growing and doing the best we can. Now also to, I want to talk about artists in general doing our own podcasts because, you know, we talk about, because we're in the industry, it made sense for us to do it because it helped push our own endeavors. Um, I also just in general just love doing it, to be perfectly honest. But um, that was a big reason for us to get started with one. But um, artists, though, is there a reason for artists to start their own podcast? Yeah, 100%. So we were managing an artist that has a very strong social media following. Um, he has good, you know, email list and text list numbers as well. But really, really big on social media. And he didn't feel like he was connecting intimately enough with his audience so he came to us and said, I want to start a podcast where I can go in deeper and, and share more about my songs and music. I'm like, that's freaking brilliant, you know? So, you know, think about that yourself as an artist. Like, especially, I mean, I know radio is ebb ebbing and flowing and changing, but, like, you're essentially starting your own radio show, you know? So, and, and also, like... Um, again, with my first podcast, Interning 101, I just kind of made episodes, interviewed people um, until that kind of stopped. But with the, you know, second books podcast, like I have specific seasons, right? And again, you're going to learn as you go, but it doesn't like what Mike is doing with weekly podcasts. That's really ambitious, you know, um, but I just, I mean, we're not Oprah, right? But like, I just saw Oprah um, with uh, Albert Brooks with their new book. They did a, um, a three episode podcast, you know? So that's a really short one. <laughs> it, it can be whatever you yeah, want. Yeah, it's though, true. You know? Yeah, I agree. It, it depends upon what your goal is for the podcast. So, for example, yours was based upon your book, so it was designed to be uh, season based, yeah. but there's others that do it on a, uh, instead of doing season, seeing it season based, meaning that it's from a certain time period and then it's going to take a break for a little while, right? They're kind of like a television show. But you can also make it consistent as well, and you could do, you know, monthly, bi weekly, weekly. There are some out there that do it daily for crying out loud. I mean, now the daily ones are really tough to do, um, but what they'll do there even is that they'll find ways of getting content elsewhere, which I also found very brilliant. Um, does, does, I know this has nothing to do with music, but does anybody know Gary Vaynerchuk at all? Gary V? Yeah? Okay. Ooh, we got good. So I took a lot of tips from Gary, let me tell you, and he's, he's definitely somebody that um, uh, is an acquired taste, I would say. Um, I very much admire him, but what he does is that he takes, um, he has his team take audio sources from other things he does. And he uses that to put onto his podcast, which is why he was able to do it daily, and which is a brilliant move. And I, I took, a, I took a, examples of that. In fact, I'm literally right now recording this whole panel, and this is going to be an episode for us. So we just find uh, creative ways of utilizing content and being able to repurpose it. I know sometimes what I'll do is if I'm a guest on somebody else's podcast, I'll ask them permission and say, hey, after this is published, can I publish it on my podcast like three to six months later? And I've never gotten a no. 
because by that point, it's really irrelevant for their podcast and their audience. But then at the same token, when I publish it on my end, it's promoting their podcast. So it's now promoting their podcast, and I'm getting content out of it. So there are ways that you can also navigate where if you're even thinking that, oh gosh, weekly, how am I gonna possibly do this? There are probably tons of things that you're doing right now that is audio based, or you can strip out from the video the audio that you can certainly use. Um, and that can definitely help you get that consistency going. Which is a podcast collab. And I'll also say, at I Voted, at our nonprofit, um, we built the largest digital concert in history, all to um, increase voter turnout. So we had over 400 artists participate, and Mike and I probably interviewed over 100 artists um, in between 2020 and 2022 that participated and I voted, and I, which was a lot, right? Like we were doing like a whole bunch of like 10 minute interviews. And I said to our team, I'm like, I am not doing makeup and showing people what I look like. Like there's just, it's just too much for that. But we did, with permission, um, show artist clips, right? So we ended, I know the word content gets thrown around a lot, but we ended up generating a lot of really great content for the artists, for the nonprofits. Um, so, you know, just keep all of that in mind. Absolutely. Um, also, I would like to continue on about the collaborations, because that's the other thing, too, is that um, musicians out there, you know uh, the concept of show trades, right, where if you play in another state and then you, you kind of trade with the band and do the other state, you know, you guys know what I'm talking about a little bit? Gig you know, swaps. Yeah, gig swaps. Um, I see a few nods in the head. But yeah, basically, it's like, hey, come and play in my city, and then I'll come over to your city and play, too, and you'll have each one, like, headline to help cross-promote, cross basically, each show. Use Chartmetric to find the top-trending artists in other cities. There you go. Sorry to digress. No, no, no. It's, it's all important. Um, you can still do the same thing with podcasters, too. So if, you've, if you have your own podcast and you want to be on another podcast, for example, offer that. You know, literally what I mentioned is that, hey, um, you know, come, you know, come be a guest on my podcast, and I'll love to be a guest on yours as well. And guess what? If you both agree to swap the episodes to your own podcast, you now have now have four pieces of content essentially now because you have the original interview and then the repost of the interview that's on on each other's podcast. So you now got four pieces of content from speaking twice. And I'll just add really quick. I was super honored um, to, to be pitched to have uh, Harry Belafonte's son and granddaughter. Um, on my music business podcast, and I didn't think they were really a fit for that one. And I said, well, we also have this I Voted podcast, which I think is a little bit more in line um, with the family's mission and foundation and, and activism. Um, but we hadn't done episodes in a long time, and of course the publicist noticed that. And I just said, I, I just think it's the better fit. They were promoting their foundation's gala, and again, we had all this gorgeous content of David and Serafina um, promoting the event, which was really the point. I also want to talk about too about uh, pitching yourself to podcasts because we talked about like a lot of the collabs and people that we know and things like that too. And again, we talked about you know it's never hurts hurts to ask. But I also know too, believe me, I understand how n nervous it can be to go and actually do that outreach for uh, podcasts. So um, I'm going to ask a question in the room right now. How many people in this room right now currently have a podcast or are looking to start a podcast? Raise your hands. Ooh, a good chunk of you. All right, how many people are looking to be on a podcast as a guest or get your music, future music? Okay, cool. Um, the people that have a podcast, starting podcast, raise your hands again. Okay, hold them up. There you go. Go introduce yourself. Okay, we're done. No, just joking. Um, 
So, but outside of that though, um, when you are, let's say, putting yourself in this situation where you are a musician, you're trying to get either be a guest on a podcast or even just get your music played on a podcast, um, any suggestions on how somebody could go about doing that? If you are a woman, non-binary and or BIPOC, please reach out. I, I get, I very rarely get pitched by, you know, women, non-binary folks and people of color. Um, so please, 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 like, put yourself out there. You know, it's kind of what we were talking about before. It's just like, you don't know unless you reach out, you know? And also, like, I'm big on email tracking, too, so throw boomerang for Gmail on your email, because um, then you know if the email's getting read, because if it's not, it probably went into spam, and then you're not like, oh my gosh, they didn't write back to my email. So, um, yeah, I would like to see a lot more diversity in the podcasting space and um, in guests. And like I said, just on the receiving end as a host. Um, I mean, not to like go too, down, too far down a rabbit hole, there are a lot of cis het white men that can afford publicists, right? And so that's getting pitched all the time. Um, so please just, you know, reach out, put yourself out there. And then, you know, beyond that, make sure it's a fit. You know, like, and it's like, why do you want to be um, on this podcast or, or what do you have going on or, or what do you have to share, right? Like, not just, um, you know, like someone who's like a f into food or something just pitched to be on my podcast. I'm like, I love food, but that's not really what this is about. So don't just go like blanket, reach out to people. It's kind of like, this is um, not about podcasting, but very similar. Like when interns reach out, um, to our management and consulting company, it's like there's two kinds of emails, right? There's dear sir or madam, right? And then there's, hi, Emily, I've, you know, I listened to your podcast. I've read some of the um, articles you've written for HypeBot. I really like how your company goes about developing artists. It's like, that's the kind of intern we're looking, that's, you know, so apply that to being a guest. Like, why are you a fit, not just like, oh, I want to be on a show? Do your homework. Do your homework. Do do your research. Look into not only um, the pot like the podcast itself, but who has they, who have they interviewed recently? Do they even do interviews? Do they feature music? Right. So do your homework before you reach out, and making sure that not only are they a good fit in general, but also how how to approach them and what you're going to even ask of them uh, is so so important. And again, I think it you know if you feel like that podcast is is a good fit. It's always worth a shot to just send a quick email to them and letting them know who you are and saying that you would love to be a guest. And I would definitely include that email, like you mentioned before, that you researched into them. And tell them specifically why. Hey, I really liked this episode that you did with so-and-so, right? Or I found something that you said in this particular episode really insightful. It shows you put the time and effort to actually you know, to actually understand that what they are actually what they're doing. I can speak. Uh, what they actually are doing, and um, going and going ahead and making sure that you know they're, they're going to respect it. I know that for myself. Whenever anyone reaches out to me, if they actually did their homework, it's far more likely that I'm going to get them on the podcast. Absolutely. Um, not to usurp this. Can we talk about distribution and Spotify? Oh, you jumped ahead. <laughs> Sorry. It, I just I think it's really important. You jumped ahead, but yes, let's talk about distribution. Okay. What do you use for distro? Um, it's not just what do I use for distro. I think that the podcast distribution space is ripe for dis disruption. So when I first started um, doing the podcast on my own, the music business podcast on my own, um, I asked around uh, on what distribution folks use, and everyone's like, Anchor, Anchor, get on Anchor. And I could see at the time Anchor was owned by Spotify, and I was like, oh, 
okay, I don't know how I feel about this. And um, so now it's called Anchor, of course, has evolved to Spotify for podcasters is, is what it's called. And, you know, what they did, I, I saw coming where when it was Anchor, you know, it was distribution where it would get you up on maybe seven, eight, 12 different platforms or something. Now it only gets you up on Spotify. This isn't like that hard. It's just annoying. Um, it gets you up on Spotify, but then you have to grab your RSS link and manually add it to all the other platforms. And we've done a lot of research into the best distributors, and there's really no answer. Um, there's Spotify for podcasters, and there's Spreaker. And I believe, don't quote me on this, I believe Spreaker is owned by iHeartRadio. So they really prioritize the iHeartRadio platforms. And then, of course, Spotify for podcasters prioritizes Spotify. But, like, we still need to do work and go in and add that RSS link to the dozens of platforms around the world, you know? So if you want to, there, there isn't really, like, a DistroKid, TuneCore, CD Baby for podcasters. Like, I guess I would say use Spotify for podcasters, even though I might contradict myself in a second and, and hear me out. Um, but if you really, if you, to me, that's like a wide open space if you want to start a business. If someone wants to become the TuneCore CD baby distro kid of podcasting, no one is doing right. And that space is totally ripe for disruption. Um, the other thing that's happening is Spotify, Anchor slash Spotify, pays such a high CPM rate to, to podcasters, clicks per millions. It's like $13, $14 CPM. The amount I make on 50,000 downloads or 1,000 downloads is way more than artists are making on 1,000 streams or you know 50,000 streams. Like, excuse my language, that's fucked up because Spotify built their business off the backs of musicians. And you guys can tell me if I'm just making myself feel better. Like, I justify it because I know and I believe that my podcast helps artists. Um, but the reason, in my educated opinion, that Spotify is doing this is it's going to be cheaper for them in the long term to lure in a 15-year-old doing an anime podcast than to have to pay the legal royalties that they have to pay artists on Spotify. So I'm actually an artist said to me, like, should I just distribute my music with, you know, Spotify for podcasters? And it's like, no, because they're luring us in with those CPM rates and they can yank that as opposed to um, the, even though they're very low, the royalties they have to pay to artists. But I'm saying this to highlight it because Spotify is investing so much in podcasting. We really need to wake up as a music industry that they exist because of artists. You know, so please pay attention to that. And if anyone starts, you know, the TuneCore CD Baby Distro Kid um, of podcasting um, for distribution, let me know and I'll be the first to sign up. There are a lot of options out there in general. A Podbean is another one, and there's a whole bunch more that are out there as well. But yes, you're right. Like each one of them has their, you know, give or takes, if you will, about what's. Um, you know, what they have to offer, different features and things like that too and so forth. So I would definitely recommend to do your homework. I mean, honestly, it's a simple site called Google. I don't know if you guys heard of it or not, but just do Google search on podca podcast distributors and just do, do, do your research on that too and finding out what platform makes sense for the kind of podcast you want to release. I mean, I did it. I, I really think I would look at, because we, re we researched like dozens of them when we, we did, did the I Voted podcast. So um Again, it pains me to say it, but that CPM rate is so high on Spotify for podcasters. So there's that. 
Um, but then also we distribute um, with Spreaker um, for the I Voted podcast because um, that got it to as many places as possible. And I on a, also on a note, I, I do use Spotify for a podcast as well. Originally it was called Anchor. And for that reason, I, I just liked the idea that it had additional features on there. So that actually what lured me towards doing you going to that particular platform. And um, for example, even with um, the, the uh, for the sustainable podcast, specifically uh, doing video, for example, was a big feature that we really liked that they introduced where you can actually have the video um, of you know being played with the episode, so I, I which I really like that kind of feature. So there are some things in there you could do like polls and things like that. So I like the idea that there is additional features um, there specifically for the Spotify platform. You know, just brainstorming right here. If you're an artist, I would definitely start a, a podcast, a video podcast, distribute it through Spotify for podcasters, and use that to drive traffic to your music. You know, so like when you have a new track and you have a new release out pop up, you know, it could just be from your bedroom or whatever, a video podcast. And it, it pains me to say this, but it's true. I'm trying to help you. Like the Spotify algorithm is going to love that. The other thing too, also I will mention about Spotify for podcasters is that you can actually embed into your podcast um, songs from Spotify. So you could also do that too. And that those kind of streams, because it literally what it just does is plays that audio. And then if you jump to um, a song, it's going to just stream the song. Um, for the listener, and then jump back to the audio if it's going back to the audio, which I also think was pretty cool too. So, uh, but again, pros and cons. I mean, you do something like that that can only work on Spotify, which means you have to like get it gets kind of weird if you're doing multiple platforms. We just make a note of that. So, on the I Voted Festival podcast, we would open each episode with a um, you know 30 seconds, uh, a 30 second song from the artist we're interviewing. But then we would just note in the show notes like, hey, if you're not listening to this on Spotify, you didn't hear X. I mean, I don't know if anyone's paying attention to that, but. Um, I do want to have some time for a Q&A. Does anybody have questions? Otherwise, okay, there's a mic up there. If you guys As want. someone's coming up, do you want to talk about sponsors and brands real quick? We can do that real fast. Okay. I want to make sure we have enough time okay. for uh, questions. Um, so, yeah, so sponsorships and uh, that's um, my main area. I do a lot of that. So Lots of questions. Yay, I'm excited. Um, I'm excited to hear from all of you, so keep your questions brief so we can get to everyone. So um, I guess real quick on, on uh, sponsorships, uh, partnerships in general, even if you, you're just starting out, it's never too early to start building relationships. And hey, look at that. We're at NAM right now where there's a whole bunch of brands on the floor. So it's never too, too early on to start building those relationships because, I mean, we've, we've done a lot. And even if it's not a money deal, there are so many things that we, you can do. We've done product trades where um, they would give us uh, product in, in exchange for uh, being mentioned on the podcast before. Um, in fact, one of our, we, we both had this amazing partner called Banzoogle. Are you guys familiar with Banzoogle at all? They, they are, if you have, if you need a website done, oh, yeah. So if you need a website down, they're absolutely amazing. It's like WordPress for musicians, and it's, they make it super easy and straightforward. And, um, and I got in contact because of Emily, actually. So Banzoogle has been an amazing partner for, um, for Emily's podcast. And I, in fact, real quick, I found out that um, I needed a website for my podcast, and I asked them, I said, can I use it for a podcast? And they said, we usually, you know, obviously it's for musicians, but I knew, but you can go for it. And like within two, three hours, I built an entire website that was specifically for a podcast. So, um, but that's kind of how it works. Again, going back to um, getting, securing guests is it, 
you want to be genuine, authentic, do your research. I mean, we're going to say this a lot over and over again, but it's true, right? And especially with securing sponsorships. I'll just say really quick, my authenticity led to listeners. I had a couple press relationships with outlets like Hypebot, and then Banzoogle actually was the first to reach out to me. They're like, oh, we have a podcast um, budget we'd like to sponsor. I'm like, oh, I hadn't thought, because again, I didn't set out to do this to make money. Um, and so there's cash sponsorship. I mean, I know you all know this, but it's like Warm Audio gave me like a free $700 mic, you know, and really, really quick, this is maybe obvious, but I guess not. Um, I work with a couple Olympic swimmers. And so um, Jay Litherland started a podcast with his, uh, they're both Olympians, um, Olympian girlfriend, Olivia Smoliga. And they're like, yeah, we go to our favorite coffee shop in Arizona and we make this podcast after practice and talk about it. I'm like, get free coffee. Why are you paying for, talk about the coffee shop. So anyway. So it should be authentic, you know, the stuff you're listening to. But let's yeah, let's go ahead and answer some questions. So both of you kind of said um, that you, you, yours is interview based and hers is kind of based off of her book. Um, anytime I think about starting a podcast, I think I get stressed out with the prep. And I guess my question is, how do you guys work on like outlining? And do you have any tips for like outlining and interview prep? I'll let you start and then I'll answer that. Um, I would develop a short meditation practice just to get rid of that stress you know, and then think about the why and what you're trying to get across. And it, I mean, I like to do deep dive research, but sometimes I don't have time. Like the UK tour was put together very fast, sometimes even the day before um, things were getting settled. So literally, like I was in Manchester, England, reading about John, John Robb from the membranes being like, oh my gosh, he was the first to interview Nirvana. Oh my gosh. Like he coined the phrase Brit, Britpop. I love Britpop. And that was probably the best interview of um, the entire tour and I had 15 minutes prep, you know, just reading his Wikipedia. Um, I wish I had days or hours, so I guess I just wouldn't overthink it, but focus on your why um, and what you're trying to get across. Uh, usually what I do is I, I, I write down talking points. Uh, depending upon how long the episode is I want to be, I'll usually do anywhere between 8 to 10. Some will tell you to do a lot more, some will tell you to do less. I like to have it just enough to get through it, and um, sometimes I get to all of them, sometimes I don't. It depends upon how much we meander, um, uh, specifically with the interview. Uh, but I always highlight some main talking points of what I want to do, and what I'll do is uh, I'll do you know, all the research I possibly can on the guest. Depends upon who the guest is, sometimes it's not easy to do so if there's not a lot about them. Uh, but I'll always have base questions that I can always ask. So, for example, if I'm in interviewing a musician, how do you get started in music, right? I, like, that's a very general question, but then I'll listen to how they respond, and then that helps me guide to the next question. I also go through all the questions with my guests right before the interview starts. So they actually are doing the work for me by, telling, by talking to them, and we actually kind of game plan it out as far as how this conversation is going to go. And then I also end with uh, some boilerplate questions um, that I like to end it, and that's a good way to kind of segue it out. I don't give questions in advance unless they ask for it. So it's, it's really whatever you're comfortable with. But I like your point on like a regular question. I always end with what does building a sustainable music career mean to you? I always ask if there's always one piece of advice. If you only could give one piece of advice, what that one piece of advice be? So thank you. Yeah, no problem. Your podcast. And if anyone does not want their question on our podcast, let us know after and we'll cut it out. Thank you. Thank you for this uh, podcast. Well, <laughs> this whole engagement here. You're welcome. Um, my question is it's kind of related to his. is more to do with workflow. And I, I think of when, you, when you're an artist, you know, you think of game day. You think of what you have to have in order. So what's your workflow when you're actually close to doing the podcast? What's your workflow like? 
you know, the I'm, process. I mean, I'm going to write a whole book about workflow, but it not really podcast. I think podcasting workflow is a little easier, especially for mine, because they've been live events where it's just like, okay, well, uh, whether I'm ready or not, this, this is what we're doing. Um, but yeah, I just make sure, I, I, you know, take a few minutes to meditate, research the questions. I tend to be a physical paper person. Um, I like to ask follow-ups on the fly. So um, just making sure you're carving out that time and, and mental space to, to prep, whether that's 15 minutes or hours. I have a confession to make. Sometimes I do it 15 minutes before the interviewer comes on. <laughs> And like I said, those can be some of the most natural It is. I like this the thing. But no, I, I do always do my homework ahead of time and just go through. And I usually, and again, that comes from practice. I've released now close to 170 episodes. So it just took a lot of practice to get it down to my, my particular workflow. Um, but again, I just started off as basic as possible and just listed a bunch of interesting questions that, and I also started off with people that I already knew. So that made my job a lot easier too, because I already knew, knew their story, so I know what kind of questions to ask them. So I started off there, and that got me the, the kind of the groove going to kind of figure out what my personal workflow is. But I have a template. I always ask specific uh, questions at, of the guests ahead of time. Uh, base, real quick, like basic questions are um, things like, um, you know, do you have a heart stop? Meaning like being aware of their time that's available to them. What pronouns do they prefer is another one. How do you pronounce their name correctly? So that when I say it, so I'm not mispronouncing their name. And then um, I'll just go through my own spiel. I usually tell them, ahead of time saying, hey, I, you know, this is a PGPG13 podcast, so if they, you know, but if they curse, it's okay. I, um, I always tell them, too, that the fact that we go over the questions ahead of time, which, again, you don't have to do. I just choose to do that because I find that it works for me. So I just found what that flow is, and I also got advice from other podcasters, too. It was both a, a combination of practice, but then asking podcasters, uh, you know, hey, what do you think of this? And then they gave me some suggestions. Hey, you can change this up or maybe do these different types of things and found out what I liked and then I incorporated. So it was a lot of tweaking um, over the years, a lot of tweaking. Really quick, um, you made a really good point about, about amount of episodes. I don't have this stat memorized. You can Google it. Very few podcasters get to even 20 episodes. So keep going. The more you do, the more successful. successful you, mine was not popular with episode one or episode five or whatever. So you got to keep going. Also do a technical test ahead of time. I always do that too. So always test out your stuff before you get started. Um, and a voice memo backup. We, we have five yeah. minutes, so we'll try to be brief. We're the ones rambling on up here. Hi, I'm Jordan Reynolds. I have a podcast called The Song Saloon. I'm 30 episodes in, so I just passed that. Hey, congratulations. Everyone give him a hand. That's, that's impressive. Thank you. Thank you so much. So I started this last year, and I focus on uh, live performance slash artist interview. And a lot of my guests are kind of smaller artists that are, that are getting started and building. Um, so because of that, leveraging guests for listenership growth isn't like a super viable option. Um, of course, it's helpful, but I wanted to ask you, besides like guests and getting guests on their show, what you recommend for growing your listenership base, where you would start. Actually, can I start this one first? Yeah. Do you give them content to use? Yes. Well, I always put up three social media pieces of content, but I, I don't give them the video files, so I could start with that yeah. for sure. Give, you can, and again, it depends upon what you're comfortable with. The, I, I find that the more ammunition that you give them, the more likely they're going to share it. Um, do you uh, invite them as a collaborator on any social media posts, like on Instagram, things like that? I 
have, but not consistently. So I'll also do that. <laughs> yeah, just, I'm getting better at that too. Honestly, I wasn't doing that originally, but I'm doing that more, and that does help a lot too. And again, just real quick, it is all about the quality of the conversation. I literally can't believe I'm saying this because this is such an icon, and I'm floored to say a friend of mine. Like my um, episode with Image and Heap is not that big because again, she's a giver too. Like Kevin, she does a lot of episodes, and she's out there. So. Um, listen to Mike on the marketing tips. Um, I think it's that more than like the size of the artist, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think I think it's like a com combination of things. Um, in fact, a good case in point, one of my highest downloaded episodes was an owner of a local radio station, and he never talks ever about anything because he likes to be the one that's behind the scenes. And I was able to get an interview with him, and that ended up being one of the highest downloaded episodes. So um, getting the rarer people definitely helps. Um, content, 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 content. Yeah, um, that's a big thing too. Um, that's the short version of it. There's a lot more that you can do with marketing, but anytime that you can cross cross promote um, is uh, is the ideal situation. Is is trying to get their audience to come across to yours and and consistency. That's a big one too. So, by the way, to help you out, everyone see this per you know, see this gentleman right here again. If you are a musician trying to get you know, onto a podcast, he's right there. Yeah. And Mike and I will stick around after so we can answer everyone's questions. But let's yeah. keep, let's keep. Yeah, we, we, have, we can do a couple more. more. Yeah. Hello, my name is Andrew Zendejas. Um, thank you guys for this opportunity of being able to promote myself and congratulations on uh, taking the show here. Thank you. Um, I wanted to speak to you all and uh, everyone here. I'm a brand new artist. Again, my name is Andrew Zendejas. I make a pop rock music. It's a uh, family friendly, and um, yeah, I would love to be on one of your guys' podcasts. So love it. You're sticking around for a bit. Thank you. Thank you. Also, um, yeah. if you have uh, another one of those nonprofit shows, I'd love to perform there too. Fabulous. Yeah, talk to me after. Thank you. Do we have time for one more? I'm looking over. Do we? Could we do one more? Okay, Short one, one more. Short one. Short one. Let's go. Loretta Sassaman. I'm with Inside Music Cast, where we take people deeper into music one podcast at a time. Started as a Toto site. Steely Dan, now we interview every, um, everyone, like everyone. We just had one with Huey Lewis. I am their content correspondent, and I also have a Lowe's backyard. I house, uh, house concerts where I live in Seattle. So I'm thinking about doing my own podcast, and you're both talking about, you know, talking with one another or talking with guests, but it's like I want to share about the house concert experience as the host and I, I know I'll have to have people come on but you know it's like where to begin and do I write out a script and you know it's just uh, it's kind of scary because there's nothing on the inter uh, anywhere podcast of what I want to share. Just start doing it and maybe write a rough script script for yourself, but don't necessarily read it. Just use it as a guideline and also practice before. Okay. Yeah. Yep. All right. Um, if you guys have any more questions, we'll go outside. Yeah, we'll, Please go yeah. outside. Do not talk to us here so that the, everyone else can come in. Thank you so <laughs> Thank much. Thank you guys so much. Thank you so much for listening to Creatives Prevail. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with others or leave us a review. They are an immense help. Now go out there and make something happen.